0: Comgeeks, we are still with comedy legend Barry Cryer. We've
1: got some questions from uh, our, uh, our listeners and from Twitter as well. I've, I've and one got, from Inland Revenue, I think. I'll start something. with, first of all, I, I'll, I'll mention this isn't a question, but uh, Steve Doherty, the uh, radio producer oh, extraordinaire yes. and runs the Landed No Comedy Festival. Um, it's not a question, he said, but thank you for agreeing to be part of the
2: David Nobbs uh, Memorial Society, now you actually, you worked with David. Yes, we wrote work? for uh, Les Dawson a lot, yeah. and obviously and I. And Les is a great wordsmith. This is all linking up. John Cleese appeared as a guest uh, yeah. once and wanted yeah. to do it again when he met Les Dawson. I remember so him man's way with words. Yeah. This yeah. man is just... Oh, and Les' is then agent, oh dear, Norman, the surname's gone. We sat in the gallery and it was the early days of John Cleese and Les Dawson and they were rehearsing a sketch on camera and uh, Les' agent turned to me and said, this fella's quite good. <laughs> John Cleese post-Python, where had this agent been? <laughs> yeah. He thought, John, quite good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but funny. John, and there you go again, the chemistry. John and Les just hit it off immediately. It was fascinating that. And the great Littleton did it with Les and they just, it was a joy to see those two together. We did uh, Charlotte Holmes and Dr. Watson and Humphrey Littleton in profile with the deer stalker and the pike was perfect. (laughs) And Les was Dr. Watson. And Holmes said, "Uh, Watson, yes Holmes, I want you to uh, take the train to Dartmoor, stay in this hotel, and on no account, contact me. And Les says, uh, why, Holmes? I'm sick of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it was. Oh, and then we said to him, sorry about this, Holmes, cliche, you've mm. got to do Bad Penny Blues, with Les at the piano. Les was looking slightly embarrassed because he could do that funny Bad Piano play. Mm-hmm. He wasn't great when he was doing straight piano playing. <laughs> he could only play in one key. Right. And we rehearsed Bad Penny Blues, and it really was embarrassing. And Les said, This isn't working. Sorry, Humph. And Littleton was embarrassed because he liked Les. So Les, marvelous, he said, Let's do that on the show. And we wrote it up where they did rehearse, and it was chaos. <laughs> and Les stormed off and all that, mm. and Laurie Holloway. Uh, then took over at the piano, but that was Les Dawson. An embarrassing thing had happened in real life, but he thought that could be funny. We'll do it in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. great. We'd yeah.
0: also have the freedom to be able to do that on the
2: day as well. Yeah. Or, 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 or oh later. yes, the us Run. You yeah, know. it was. Uh, it was good.
0: And and I think people rather forget. I mean, with John Cleese, particularly, I think people now remember Python, and they remember um, obviously Faulty Towers. And if and if if you ask people to name anything else. They just think, oh, crikey, I wonder what he's done. They think, he was in so many of these things. Mm. He was just yeah, working all, yeah. all the time. And now
2: he's endless commercials for everybody. Yeah. He's been back on the radio yeah. with a chaotic <laughs> series. Well, in fact, and he's, he's coming a... back uh, not playing the lead with Alison Steadman, the actress, yeah, and, uh, yeah. doing a series, aren't they? He's yeah. a good yeah.
0: example, though, of someone um, who is... There's quite a lot of people who, very, very experienced, get to a certain age, and then about every 18 months, you read in the paper that they say, commissioners don't know anything, it's all hopeless, comedy oh, is dead. Oh,
2: John's about and,
0: and And others do that. Um, and yet, that is something that you do not do, and you always seem to be excited and energised by comedy, and at least if you don't like anything, you keep it well, to yourself. Well, I remember how, how is
2: that? Hmm. Well, I think unconsciously, or subconsciously, or whatever... The way I was treated by the Arthur as- I was a bridge generation. Hmm. I came at the sort of end of the Arthur Askey, Ted Ray, Tommy Trinder era and then melded into the new era. But I remember how those older comics treated me. They treated me as an equal, the Ted Rays and all those people. They, hmm. I was just a mate. They didn't patronise me. Hmm. Muir and Norton, the right... Goldman and Simpson, when I met them you just had a treat. You were another writer. I wasn't this young oik who wrote for David Frost or anything, mm. I, I never forgot that. So I think now I want to know what's happening now when mm. I do gigs with younger ones. Oh, it's marvelous, it's happened more than once. Some young stand-up man or woman I've done a gig with and they said to me afterwards, you tell jokes. I've invented this new radical form of comedy. I tell jokes and sing a song at the end.
0: What? Wow. Wow.
1: It's funny that you use the word um, bridge because I, I remember you know, one of the first writing jobs that I had as of a, a young stand-up and things was uh, writing for Rory Bremner. And uh, he had a series on about 83, 84 on yeah. um, BBC Two. And... Various of our my generation of stand-ups were invited on uh, to write for the show, and you were writing with Dick Fosbury yes, on that show,
2: yeah, and, and John Dowie at the uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but it was interesting how because we were a lot, initially we were all a bit wary. We sort of thought, I mean, I was still you know a Joker's Wild fan, so I, I had that, but a lot of people were still were kind of thinking oh, Barry Cryer isn't he the old the old school and yeah. you know you kind of won over the sort of the the alpha male stand-ups of the, you know the John Dowie's the Rory Bremner type people you you
2: you became the bridge really from that generation to to the like timing, generation, you standard. couldn't plan it I was so grateful that I'd worked with the old ones mm. and then was working with the young ones mm, it, yeah it seemed seamless at the time but yeah, but to us it was a kind of it was a it was like
1: ah this is because we were always saw ourselves as you know alternative all you know we don't, we don't have any uh, track all with TV mm. oh, would you like to write for television? yes please absolutely yeah. Yeah. yes I'm, I'm saying, but
2: oh, you do oh, you've got to own up we did mm. a radio series called Hello Cheeky mm. me and Tim Rutera and John Junkin and uh, Four Xer Digital Radio repeated some of them and I did actually. Wince at one point because on Hello Cheeky, I was the funny black man who used to ring up. (laughs) He was quite amiable, but he was a con. Hello, this I'm the Archbishop of Canterbury. Now, this is almost topical. We've got black archbishops, but and he was it wasn't particularly racist, but it does make you. Cringe when you hear it now. Well, it's, it's, why did he have to be black? You know,
1: it's a different. It was just a different <coughs> universe. I, me- I remember an episode of uh, Steptoe that I saw fairly recently, in which um, Harold is uh, befriended by an antiques dealer, uh, and um, you know, Harold mm. thinks, "Oh, this is my future." I'm oh, I remember this. Yes, and, and it was basically a, gay, a guy who was a, a, a gay guy who was wanting, who fancied Harold, and. It was, I mean, it, 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 just, just knowing that from the period that it was from, and it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't obviously a, a homophobic, but it was, it was horribly uncomfortable to watch. I mean, Stereotypes,
2: wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so? it was
1: very much, which, you know, you, you can understand, they weren't, it wasn't as if people knew gay people outside of the, you know... The, the, I was outside. with
2: Humphrey Barkley recently chatting away, and we were reminiscing... Graham Chapman and I wrote a pilot called Frank and Ernest. Right. You can see what we did there. Yes. <laughs> About two gay guys who lived over a laundrette. And it's based on Graham's own life. And Humphrey barkley read it and he said, Oh, it's lovely. Too early. No chance.
1: Right.
2: And I'm yeah. trying to track it down. I can't find the script. David Sherlock, Graham's partner, who I'm seeing hmm. to do a charity gig soon, I said... God, have a look, David, can you find Frank and Ernest? Humphrey Barkley was fascinated. Mm. He said, I still haven't got it. I can't find it. He said, "But I, I remember that. Two, two gay guys were the lead in your sitcom. No, they won't
0: no, no, know no, about No, yeah. exactly. Mm. I mean, it, but things, things do move on very quickly, even, you know, sexual ethics and politics. You watch some episodes of Men Behaving Badly now yeah. on yes. UK Gold, and you think, oh, this is a little bit creepy, this is mm. you know, and, then, and, it, and it's it moves very quickly I mean, it's, it, this is these are ty- tyrannical <laughs> times we
2: live in. The only um, sitcoms that Graham and I wrote <clears throat> pre- sorry, uh, and you've got to be objective really, I look at them and a lot of it's sort of over the top in the not quite the right way, you know grotesque mm. cartoony characters yeah. really, mm. although I'm, I'm very proud of a lot of it uh, but
1: it moves on. Mm, you, yeah, but it's—I mean—that's mm. the thing. The alter, i mean—the the, the, the audience sitcom, it comes out. It's it comes out partly out of theatre, but also out of a sort of bawdy, you know, music hall. The, 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 it, yes. sh- Shakespeare, really. You know, I mean, yeah. you look at um that that where it comes from. It that it's always going to be broader,
2: uh, a broader yes. kind of comedy. It but has to be to get them. when the you look back good people did it first you know I always say that whatever you thought Mm. you thought of and I'm the board I said you must oh yeah I remember in 1957 Arthur Askey who became a friend marvellous comedian Arthur was the first television comedian who didn't just do an act in front of the camera he turned to another camera and talked to you at home Mm. nobody else had done that and Eric Morecambe said to me once Arthur did it first I got it from Arthur Miranda Hart Absolutely, it, yeah. And she venerates Eric Morecambe mm. And then you see, even then, I was pronouncing the other day and saying Arthur Askey, that man who else looks straight in the camera at you? And somebody said Oliver Hardy.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> in films. Yeah, yeah. looking at the camera. Absolutely. Yeah. So that look that after. Good people have after, always done it first.
0: Yes. After he's eaten a, what's his name's eaten the, um, <coughs> that's not real fruit. That's imitation. It's made of wax you know, he's sort of berating yeah. um, Stan, yeah. and then he looks at the camera and just throws his arms up in the air. It's like, can you believe what an idiot this guy is? Arthur Askey, they're wonderful.
2: They're, they're repeating the good old days, uh, the musical programme yeah, right. now. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Cribbins and I were on the other night, you know, 1979, and I remembered Arthur Askey on one of those, and Lonnie Donegan, big star at the time, oh, yeah. was on, and he'd learnt an old song for and then they row, 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 right up the river, they would row. And he was wearing a straw boater and wearing a blazer. And as he sang the song, he took his hat off. And as he was singing the song, he was having little glimpses into his hat. And he, <laughs> you could spot what was happening. <laughs> so he goes off and and sat, the chairman goes, "Ata Aski! Da 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 and he comes on, enormous applause. His opening line. What about that Lonnie Donegan with the words in his hat? <laughs> 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 that was Arthur. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur also mm. commented on the changes <clears throat> to me one day. He said, Every generation's the same. A load of crap and a few brilliant people.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. And there's not absolutely. a better definition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well I think
0: but I think what um <clears throat> what these guys do and um, and it sounds like he did it, you you do it. Um, the likes of Bob Monkhouse did it, you know. Yeah. And there's, actually, these are people, and we want to be people, who fundamentally love comedy yeah. more than anything. And if you love comedy more than anything, and you love it more than yourself and your own career, and you can celebrate it and enjoy the comedy of other people, it is very hard to do, because it is very competitive, ben, especially ben, the stand-up circuit, And the
2: Ben Elton did the Ronnie, inaugural Ronnie Barker lecture mm-hmm. last week. And it wasn't all about Ronnie, it was about comedy and mm. the show clips, mm. whatever. But Ben said a very simple line at one point. He said, what's wrong with trying to be funny? Mm. We yeah. can all have our preferences. Comedy's a naked game, if you, you either laugh or you don't. We know that, don't mm, we? Yeah. And if, some, if somebody doesn't think something's funny, you'll never convince them it is. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely, you can debate a play or a band or a song, but if somebody didn't laugh at something, don't try and convince them it was funny. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah you can't go it back. Won't, it
2: won't happen. And yeah. then Ben mm. sort of uh, went out and nailed it. Mm. He said, no, I just admire people who are trying to be funny, whatever they're yeah. doing. Yeah, Just the act of trying to be funny. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that through the years I've never had a proper job. <laughs> I've been doing something I enjoy, mm. just trying to make people laugh. Just, just, just go back to this
1: thing <sighs> about, talking about writing with another person. And... Again, think about you know with, with with the people that we know. It's a lot of you know writing for performers, but actually think about some of the people that you uh, work with. I mean, specifically, I'm thinking about people like Danny LaRue and, and yeah. Kenny Everett, who weren't actually what you'd call comedians. No, um, but so that's right. What, and again, it's sort of fascinating to think what what does a what does the comedy writer bring to that?
2: To, to well, Dan. Uh, Dan saw, I wasn't really writing much in those days, but Anna Quayle, the actress, had become a friend. And I wrote a couple of sketches for it that was in a show at the Fortune Theatre, A Review, as it was called in those days. Right. And Danny Rue came in one night. And he said, who wrote that? And inviting me for a drink. I became the writer of his nightclub shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met my wife, who you've just met, the very same day I met Ronnie Corbett, Tossed a coin. <laughs> <laughs> LaRue was a great mentor. You were his mm. gang. He would mm. mess about and take the piss, but mm. anybody coming up on at one of his gang, mm. he would mm. speak up for them. He was a marvellous employer and mentor. <clears throat> and then one night, David Frost comes in, invites me and Ronnie Corbett for a drink. As a result, Ronnie goes into the Frost Report, the show, and I become a Frost writer. You can't plan this, no. serendipity or whatever yeah. the word is. You're in the right place at the right time. Right, And I've had that several yeah. times. But you've got I? to have
0: the talent to actually make the most of yeah, those opportunities say, or the practice got luck, as well.
2: If you've got a lucky break in life and the door opens and you go through, people quite rightly say, get on with it. Mm. justify the lucky break you just had so yeah. I hope I did that yeah. you, you don't yeah. go ooh aren't I lucky no shut up get on with it yeah, yeah.
0: and that, I think that is another one of the things which I've spoken to a number of comedy writers about now is also though that comedy writers get treated like competition winners <coughs> who have this is their lucky moment Oh, we're, we're letting you make a sitcom for us Yes. and then are continually sort of treated and kept away from edits and all that kind of stuff because obviously they're the writer and they, they can't really be trusted with all these things There is a lack of trust I think that came out quite a lot with um, when we spoke to Marks and Gran about this is how again mentors and people who are sort of seeing the long view are trying to give people yeah. trust mm-hmm. um, and you know and you see somebody do something and you think well they could do that again rather than therefore micromanaging
2: yes. it after trust is a good word mm-hmm. and we had that here it goes again in the old days, the, the guys your bosses and everything mm. would like something, Let them run, Let mm. them run. This is good. Yeah. It, I don't don't know. I'm not in on the scene these days. I just do live gigs and everything. But, Trust uh, is not the
0: is not the experience of the comedy writer in the 2010s. No, mm. I think mm. I can say that are, The stories are
2: here. I think they're again my timing. My life went full circle. The writing faded away, and the performing came back, which is what I do. But when I hear stories from uh, contemporaries or guys who were and women who were mm. not quite as old as me, they say, "It's murder now. They've rather never heard of you. or think you can't cut it because you're older. Mm. You stop being funny at some point." Yeah.
0: Hmm.
2: It sort of reminds me <coughs> of
0: the, the, the classic Billy Wilder story of when, uh, when he, much later in his career. Has a meeting with a film executive. Have you not heard this one?
2: Yes. yes. I think so. Come on.
0: Oh, no, and he just and this young exec uh, film executive just says so, um, so Mr. Wilder, um, what have you done? And, mm. <laughs> and Billy Wilder says, You first. Does,
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lovely old actress mm. called, called a scene Siler. Saw her on telly the other night in an old film, and uh, same thing. Mm. She was being interviewed, this veteran, and the young interviewer said, uh, what have you done, Miss Silas? She said, hmm. You mean this morning? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. How did you end up? Because um, the,
0: the thing that stuck in my mind was like, Oh, get to talk to Barry Cry, that's wonderful. Not only, you know, I'm sorry, I haven't but for me it was Kenny Everett, actually.
2: Well, it was the only non comedian, what hmm. Dave was saying, its yeah. the only non comedian, really, hmm. I ever wrote for. And how did that come it, about? It was a one-off. How did that feel working? Well, the, what happened was. Uh, Kenny's first love was radio, at which he was superb. Mm. But he, he did nice time with Jermaine Greer and Jonathan Routh on Granada. Oh, yeah, he you. did a, a London weekend show. He was disillusioned. He thought, I've had telly. And uh, here we go, a name, marvellous woman. Got me and Kenny together at a lunch. And Philip Jones, who was our boss in those days at Thames Television, said to his son, who was then 18... Who isn't on television now? You think should be, and his mm. son said Kenny Everett. So they got me and Kenny and oh, this dear woman's name—it'll come to me. And uh, Ray Cameron, who I met when we did Jokers Wild, he mm. co- devised it with Mike King of the King Brothers,
1: Michael McIntyre. And we were talking,
2: dad, yeah, Mike McIntyre's dad, mm. and uh, we were talking about doing a TV with uh, with Kenny. And I maybe I said it, I don't know, but I said, Ray Cameron smells right for this. We were doing a particular segment of the show that Ray would have been perfect. And once Ray came in and chatted with Kenny and me and everybody, uh, David Mallet and I, and the producer, went off uh, to have a comfort break in the gents, and David Mallet said to me, Ray should be on board permanently. I said I couldn't agree more, and that's how it happened. Oh, okay. Hmm. Me and Ray, writing the shows, yeah. you know. Because you say so, he was like, that's so funny. He's yeah. a man
1: who, uh, you know, you immediately think of as, as radio and always, you know, I loved his radio shows. But it was such a visual uh, show. And, and uh, that's, that, that's the other thing that I'm interested in. You, you know, you've written for, um, you, you've written for with, you know, people who are
2: very verbal. Yes. Like, uh, with I love visual. But,
1: and and visual, you know, that across the whole board, and uh, yeah,
2: yeah, and we did a thing with Kenny, where uh, the Happy Days, mm-hmm. Thames Television, closed studio, no audience, were recorded all day long, yeah, and the crews fought to get on it. They wanted to work with Everett. It was the only show I worked on where nobody said quiet. Mm-hmm. You just started filming, wondering whatever it would get up to, yeah, mm-hmm. and we did one thing. Uh, where, and I, I'd said to the cameraman, move very slowly. Right in the corner of the studio, dimly lit, Kenny's playing poker with some people, and we had the entertainer, the Scott Joplin music, da 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 mm-hmm. And the cameraman moves slowly and slowly towards his poker game. And as he gets, and there was a beam of light from an overhead lamp on the poker table. And as he gets there, Everett's won the game, stands up triumphantly and hit his head on the beam of light. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joy to do I
0: remember that one. Oh, yeah. my goodness.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but, yeah, but it, it felt like it had... It, they captured the essence of what was great about Kenny Everett and turned it into TV. Yeah. It, it, the experimentalism and the... Cliff
2: Richard hmm. did the show several times and it was just a joy. Yeah. Uh, Glutton for punishment. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, we, we had him wheel past the camera with a white wig on, <laughs> shaking. And Everett said, ooh, there goes Cliff to make up. And, uh, and uh, we did a thing with Cliff where he sat with Kenny Everett. And uh, Kenny said, ooh, Cliff, we've got a surprise for you. And Cliff did it beautifully. He said, oh, not an old clip. Oh, yes, said Kelly. We then cut to Cliff wearing a white suit and black shirt with a black and white and gray sort of set with color cameras, but Mm. degraded the tape a bit. It looked like an old clip of Kenny, of uh, Cliff Richard. Mm. So we start singing one of his songs. (coughs) (coughs) And Kenny walked in to the shop wearing Mm. a a red shirt and blue jeans. (laughs) Cliff Richards said, Get out of my old clip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go, back to deconstructing the format yes, as well, isn't it? It felt it was all there, and you were in on it as well. That's yeah, the other thing. And I was
2: already like. married mm. about 30 years with four children, and <laughs> Ev, he always called me Bar, because that's probably where he found me, <laughs> uh, he said, Ooh, Bar, you married over 30 years with four children what a (laughs) smokescreen. It was lovely. amazing. Amazing. And when the video recorder first came in, all those years ago, Everett said, oh, you can always tell when somebody's got a video recorder. I said, how can you tell? He said, you say to them, did you see that programme last night? Mm. And they say, not yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, feel like that now, isn't it? Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just say uh, one thing I uh, sort, of, sort of think about in the '60s as well. Uh, you know, like you were writing with um, Dick Emery, I noticed, and, and so like you'd be—you you must have been looking through that time. You must have been like you spent one day with Dick Emery and then the next day with Graham well, Chapman.
2: the first no, that was pre Graham. Okay, right. First thing I ever wrote that was ever seen on television. I just submitted. I was in a bed sitting, made a veil. And uh, I sat with the landlady's son, the Dick Emery show was on. Hmm. <coughs> I couldn't believe it. I thought, like, oh, they're doing it. There's hmm. a man sitting watching television in the front room, and his wife walks in and says, man at the front door said he fought with you in the war. <laughs> and Hitler walked. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I ever wrote, and Dick Emery did it. Wow. Oh, wow! Wow, that yeah.
0: must have felt amazing. Oh, I was yeah. thrilled
2: to bits. Yeah. No, I fun, didn't yeah. finish up as a regular writer on the Dick Emery show, okay. I was a I submitter. Right, okay, yeah, so I hadn't I'm, got hired yeah. properly by that um, time. Yeah. yeah,
0: and it feels like again, things that are different now that uh, you know we're still trying to work out how we can do things better is that. There were, you know, in those days you had the the two Ronnies obviously coming in later, but you had sketch shows which just required material. Yes. And you Mm. had writers writing, 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 you know, refining their craft. And so by the time they felt like they were ready to write a sitcom, Mm. they had hours of TV experience. (coughs) Um, John Sullivan, for instance. Yeah. Yes.
2: Oh, here he goes, John Sullivan's story, who (laughs) worked uh, in the stage crew, the studio crew, and would submit jokes to shows, but he was regarded as one of the lads, the crew. And uh, I was watching (coughs) Only Fools and Horses one night and I thought, God, this is good. Sullivan, oh boy, and I hadn't got his phone number, but I rang somebody who had. And I rang John Sullivan. Hello, pal. I said, I was just watching Only Fools, bloody funny. He said, oh, thanks very much. (coughs) I said, and we've never met. He said, "You." Bastard, we've <laughs> never met. I said, what are you talking about? He said, there was the end of a series and me and the lads were in the bar and like, Ooh, look over there, there's Crier and Nobbs and Vosborough. <laughs> he said, you came over and said hello. We've never met you. <laughs> 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 we became friends in that moment. Yeah. It was lovely.
1: Yeah, uh, well, that, that's, and again, it was, uh, it was fascinating when uh, we did the, the Marks and Graham <clears throat> interview and... Um, they were, you, were you, you came to see that, you were in the audience yes. there. And Tried to stage you, an intervention at yes. some point, I remember. Maurice <laughs> so
2: what I introduced, yeah. sorry, I've
1: interrupted Well, I was going to say, that. yes, you know, and, and everyone I meet, when uh, they see, I say, oh, well, yes, um, Barry was really helpful to us when we started out. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's sort of almost like a, you know, you, you, you kind of, uh, you, you can't help yourself almost.
2: Well, I'll do no, I introduced him to uh, Frankie Howard hmm. uh, at his house as I was al- had already been writing for Frank and these two hmm. young guys came along and I disappeared into the back kitchen while they were talking to Frank and then I got the signal and I came out and I took them to the pub to calm them down because <laughs> <laughs> they were overawed, they were talking yeah. to Frankie Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Frank played games as writers. Hmm. If you wrote something for him, you know, and you didn't put in, ooh no, don't take a vote on it, ooh, misses. Yeah. You'd say, Where's all that? And if you did put it in, he'd say, No, I do that. He <laughs> was yeah. wrong footed writers, Frank.
0: <laughs> well it was well, they he had no shortage of people wanting to write for him as well, presumably. Oh, he was,
2: well, when he had his comeback, which was <clears throat> due to Peter Cook booking him for the establishment, <clears throat> uh, you know, Frank's <clears throat> career was like a roller coaster. One yeah, he was yeah. a has been, and then he was back again. And as a result, he did. That was the week that was. Mm. Ned Sharon saw him at the establishment said, "Oh, Howard's back. This is wonderful." And Johnny Spate, Muir and Orton mm. people, they got together and wrote a routine for Frankie Howard for nothing. Mm-hmm.
0: And again, that only happens again <coughs> almost <coughs> between <coughs> generations and things as well. <coughs> it only happens if ultimately you love <coughs> comedy. <coughs> They yeah. just want. They just want. They just want to make people <laughs> laugh. It's not about the money. It's not about the status. No. You've just
2: got to love it. You've just got to Dennis, love. Dennis Norden rings me to this day with suggestions for. Sorry, I'm the clue. <laughs> really, dear dad, you know he's plenty. <laughs> he <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: quite good. Quite yeah. good. He knows a thing or two. We should get round there. We he's, should. Uh, we
2: should. I, I have, oh, uh, Dennis, bless him, he's um, um, great. Yeah, he's, he's on the list. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh yes, he's I, a mate. I, I,
1: I worked with him about ten years ago, and. Uh, I was, um, I, it was just, just remarkable how, um, yeah, what, what, a, what a lovely guy he was. What he here. did,
2: uh, it'll be all right on the night mm. later on, wasn't it, with the clipboard? Yeah. And he told me, here he goes, story warning. Please do. He's <laughs> been driven back uh, from a recording of that and he's bursting. He's nearly home, but he's in this car. And he said to the driver, I've got to take a leak. Oh, yes, Mr. Norton. And it was, uh, a nice dark alleyway, and he thought this is perfect. And he's having a pee up the wall, hmm. and lights went on, <laughs> and a door opened, and he's fully lit in full flow. Hmm. And a man looked and went, Barry Norman. <laughs> <laughs> so Dennis said, I said, hello, and zip top. <laughs> and by pure coincidence, a week or so later, I met Barry Norman. I said, <laughs> Dennis Norton's got a story about you. So he <laughs> said, "Don't bother; he's already wrong with us <laughs> I love that. Barry Norman, <laughs> that's
0: great. And to enjoy, yes, uh, own that. Mm. Time is time is we're flying right, by, so okay, we should probably some, p- put I'm more questions from too Much? Not around. at all. No, no we each really, uh, uh, uh,
1: kind of expected that. That's fine. Uh, I've got a question from a, a Mr. John Dowie of. Uh, I don't oh, know. never <laughs> liked him. <them, man. laughs> probably on his bike, being rude to somebody. Yes, to yes. Why are you wasting your? time talking to us which is exactly the sort of thing I would have expected. <laughs> I would
2: like America. to thank John Dowie for that very acute observation. <laughs> yes. Boring the arse off me you two.
1: <laughs> I, I, mean, I think I remember you describing John as a lovable bully. I think. Yes. A oh, very,
2: very nice uh, oh, description. Um, he he said, thought of our song peace and quiet. Oh, Ronnie Golden and I do gigs I and we've, we I do Peace and Quiet, no me. jokes in the lyric at all no, uh, but it time. gets louder and louder <laughs> yeah. and we just sat one day with John and out of the blue he just said, song called Peace and Quiet just gets louder and louder and Tony, <laughs> which is his real name, Ronnie Golden, I said, oh yes. It was as simple as yeah, that, yeah. we've been doing it ever we'll, since. We'll do that, Oh, yeah. John Dowie. Yeah.
1: Yes, That was a dry uh, eye in the house when you did that at uh, Linda's funeral. I oh, well, we
2: were house. told uh, that Linda loved that. We didn't yeah. know that. She loved oh, right. peace okay. and quiet. Yeah. And Sean Locke was there that night. Mm. And Sean said to me afterwards, he said, when it started, with you saying, through the fury and the storm, keep me steady. He thought, mm. oh, boy. This is schmaltzy. This is awful. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> it took me two choruses to get the joke.
0: Yeah. 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 So, there you go. There, it's back to that story of um, uh, Simpson reading the um, uh, reading the, the, the eulogy. eulogy. Yes. There you go. I said that wouldn't get a laugh.
2: Yes, you con yeah. them. Yeah. You are <laughs> lulling them along. Yeah. What's this holding all about? Nerve. Yeah. What's this all Yeah. About? You've got yeah. to hold your nerve. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Heather Gregg has a question. She says, "Have you ever experienced the desire to run through fields of wheat?" <laughs> I can't <laughs> understand this reference at all. <laughs> Actually, I thought there was uh, Ian Macmillan, our fellow, fellow Yorkshireman. Who, uh, he he put a very funny thing on Twitter today. I saw. He said, uh, um, "He said Theresa May was uh, hoping to do very well in Runcorn." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that <laughs> and, uh, is neat! Not only is that a fantastic gag, but Got lots of replies. People saying, "Well, actually, I think she did manage to." Uh, yeah. you know, people <laughs> not Dian- getting the joke, which is fantastic.
2: Abbott hosting um, uh, a bingo yeah. on the campaign trail, <laughs> and she was asked to, you know, run the bingo, which is going. Clickety click, forty two. <laughs> All the sevens, thirty three. <laughs>
0: yes, it wasn't a good campaign. For I want Dan
2: Abbott and Jeremy Corbyn trapped in a lift. Have you heard that one? Oh, oh awesome. yes. She couldn't remember the number of the floor, and he wouldn't press the button. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> I think that might have been a Milton one actually. I I was, was, yeah, oh, yeah, no, regards was, to yeah. Milton. I saw I that was. Uh, I, th- yeah. I saw that Milton to...
2: did my lovely birthday night at the yeah. Palace Theatre. Oh, there
0: you go, yeah. jokes. He, he loves he loves jokes. Oh, and yeah. talking of. When you mentioned earlier about Kenny Everett asking someone who isn't on television who should be, yeah, you think well, Milton Jones and Tim Vine would be too
2: obvious. Oh, I couldn't uh, agree more. People. Tim was in not going out. Yes, then. that's no. right. But it was, but you know, he but should have his Sims own ventriloquist act. Oh, have you seen? It? No, I haven't it's really. only about five minutes. It's on YouTube. Oh, okay. One of the funniest things, Tim advance okay. Ventak. Oh, oh right. boy! Okay, we'll have to have yeah. a look at that. God, he's good. He is very mm. funny.
1: Yeah. Uh, a few more questions. What have we got? Uh, just a couple more. Um, uh, who? Yeah. Well, you've mentioned. Actually, you've answered the question. Who? Who? Who do you find funny now? Who, who of today's comedians? Well, we've already had Tim. I Dine saw and a guy and... called Nick
2: Mohammed. so oh, yeah. he's here too. He's great. He's doing great. Uh, Houdini. Mm. Right. Oh, boy,
0: have you seen it? Um, um, I know Nick's material Leads. stuff.
2: He's Leeds. Yeah. Is
1: he another the Yeah, we right, okay. just a
2: drink or two afterwards. <laughs> and you come in and he's trapped in the glass box when you walk in. <laughs> <laughs> and he does a couple of real illusions, which is stunning. Right, yeah. Oh, he's a one-off, Nick. I like oh, wow. him. Yeah. We oh, and Sue Calman's become a mate. More women about now, which is great. Mm. Yeah, mm. Susan's very funny, isn't she? Susan's yeah. great. And Pippa Evans has done our yeah, show. She's yeah. Oh, okay. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. Mm. Um, last question is from uh, Gary Bainbridge. So He says, we could be here a while, but he wants to hear Roy, the Roy Castle train
2: story. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Oh, surely not.
1: Have we got enough time? Uh, Dear
2: Roy, Roy, right, in those days, stardom and strut Roy at the Palladium. And after the show, he'd run up Argyle Street, down in Oxford Circus Tube, to Marylebone, probably get a late or last train to Denham, where he was staying with friends. Mm -hmm. In those days, real safety hazard, you could open and shut the carriage doors yourself all the time. So he, he said he made it one night to the uh, train. Usual suspects are in there asleep, or reading the paper. And just before the train left, the door opened and a guy gets in, archetypal city businessman, bowl out briefcase, umbrella, stain on his shirt, he's been out on the town, puts his stuff in the rack, sits down, falls asleep. Train sets off into the night, and then as trains do, suddenly stops, clunk. This guy jumps up, gets his stuff out of the rack, opened the door on the embankment side <laughs> and stepped out into the night. And the door's swinging and Roy said, we're all very British, nobody said anything, but we're looking. And then his left hand came back and his right hand, then his umbrella, then his face, which had muck on it and there was a burgeoning black eye and some blood on his nose, and then his briefcase. And he climbs back in and closes the door and they're all looking at him. <laughs> And he said, you must think I'm an absolute fool. And stepped out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Roy.
1: <laughs> that's such a great Wellness. one. I love yeah. that one. That's uh, uh, a fitting way to end, I
2: yes. think. ending we know, on a I, joke. I, I, I we we, we joke.
0: very rarely do that. So I think yeah. no, no better
2: podcast on which to end on a joke. Yeah, that's fantastic. Though. One yes. of the favourite ones. <laughs> Go on. Our producer comes down the line often before a recording or whatever. And mm. comes, come on, joke. Mm. <coughs> couple going out to dinner, she's in the bathroom trying on the new dress, and she came out and said to her husband, does my bum look big in this? He said, oh be fair love, it's quite a small bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, good, excellent. Barry, thank you ever so much. What a pleasure. A good, fantastic. S- and, um, Same time um, tomorrow. It's yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes, exactly, yes. yes, excellent. We'll be recording
1: part two. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, that's lovely. No, it's been uh, absolutely brilliant. And uh, thank you for joining us. And um, it's been... It's uh, great to see you, too. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you. And um, we'll... Um, well, thank you to James as well. Thank Indeed. you. Pleasure. Yes. And uh, I'm Dave, Dave Curry. And we'll be back with some more sitcom geekery. Well, if you want to contact us, um, you can contact us on the sitcomgeeks at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, sitcomgeeks. Uh, I'm at Cohen Dave on Twitter. I'm sitcom geek. Yes. And Are you on Twitter? Do you cry too much? No, no, I don't
2: tweet. Not tweet, no. what's the verb?
1: To, to, to tweet, what's although to tweet? I think yeah. to tweet. There'll be you some
2: troll within five minutes saying, yeah. who told this old fart he was funny in the first place?
0: <laughs> or or oh, yeah. you can have a great form of flattery, someone pretending to be you on Twitter, yeah. maybe. Oh, yeah, that that I'll, I'll, be say,
2: I'll
1: try and explain to you why your joke... Doesn't quite work. Yes. Why yeah. You get
2: yeah. The word in there. That's true, yeah, yes.
0: you could have been someone. Well,
2: I, would, <laughs> yeah. I wish you two, uh, good luck with the next session with Nigel Farage. <laughs> Thank you very and, much. He's he hilarious. As well. yes, it's yeah, right. he's and the comi-
0: His commitment to
2: character is he's really good. quite Yeah. He's good. Yeah, you can't see him. Never the loses it. No, no. Holds on to that character. <laughs> very good. Very good. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye bye. welcome. Bye.